0: Amen. Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. And praise the Lord. Fantastic. You know, that name Jesus is so powerful. The Bible says, uh, one day, just at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, I want you to be doing that right now, though, all right? Confessing that Jesus is Lord. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Amen, and welcome to the Lord's house. Well, I've been preaching messages the past few weeks designed to challenge us in making progress in our spiritual lives. You know, we're only a month and a half into this new year. Can you believe that? It seems like it's almost 2020 already. We're only a month and a half into 2019, and many of you are still thinking about making progress in different areas of your life, like physically or financially or with your family. I would have to say, if you're going to pull the trigger, pull the trigger now, all right? Stop thinking about it and start doing something about it. But my big question is this. Do you have any plans in 2019 for your spiritual progress? Most of the time, progress happens as we build a new set of habits Into our daily lives. If you're planning for physical progress, it's probably going to include establishing some new habits like working out every day, or eating healthy foods, or cutting junk out of your diet. Need I go on or should I shut up, all right? And really the same thing is true spiritually. If you are going to grow spiritually, there are some things you're going to have to start doing in order to help you grow spiritually. Someone has observed that the things we do in life are kind of like seeds that are sown. For example, you sow a thought and you reap an action. You sow an action and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap a character. You sow a character... And you're going to reap a destiny. But it all begins when you sow the seed. So let's spend some time together today exploring what the Bible says about our spiritual progress. And where I want you to turn is the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read it out of the New King James, and then we're going to use some other translations as we uh, look at this passage. So here we are, 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 5 and read through verse 8. I'll, I'll just turn here and read it on the screen, all right? You with me? Yes, all right, here, <laughs> three of you. Thank you so much. You. You, you're wondering how I can, I can hear your voices out there. Even balcony, no, anyway. Second Peter one, five. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, add perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, add love. And then look at verse number 8. For if these things are yours and they abound... You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge or in your relationship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we've read your word. I pray that that word would come alive in our hearts right now. As I try to speak it on the outside, Lord, please speak it into our hearts. Help us to establish some new habits of spiritual growth in our lives today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Now, when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus and trust him for salvation, the end result of that is he gives you new life. He saves you from your sins, and he moves into your life. He gives you the Holy Spirit, all right? And the Holy Spirit living inside of us is the guarantee from God that all of the pieces that we need to construct this holy life that God has called us to are inside of us. In other words, let me say it like this. When you got saved, God gave you everything you need to live a life of godliness. He gave you all the necessary ingredients so that you can make progress in your spiritual life. How do we know that? Well, just look at the preceding verses. Number three, verse three says... His divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So everything we need to live a good life and a godly life, God's already given to us. When you got saved, you received those key elements, those necessary tools to become the godly and good person that God has called you to be. But he's also given you something else. Look at verse 4. Through these, going back to verse 3, God's glory and goodness, through his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Can I hear an amen for that? I love those very great and precious promises. So that through them, through these promises you may participate or partake in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world that is caused by evil desires. So you see, God wants us to share in His divine nature. He wants us to share in His holiness. That's His design when He saves us through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And he wants us to escape the corruption that is in the world. And believe you me, our world is pretty corrupt. So he's given us everything we need to be a godly person and escape the corruption that is in the world. And God has given us all the tools. Everything that is needed, he's already given to you. He's given us, according to this verse, great and precious promises that supply everything we need for our spiritual progress. But God intends for us to work with him towards spiritual progress. God wants us to come alongside him and work with him to see this happen in our life. Do you see that word participate in verse 4? Again, some translations use the word partake. It really means to partner with. Okay, so I'm drawing you this picture. When you got saved, God gave you all the necessary tools that you need to live a good and godly life, to become the image of his son Jesus, so that when people see you, they see Jesus. He's given you all those tools, but he wants you to come alongside him and participate with Him, to partner with Him so that you can grow into spiritual maturity. Now I'm adding verse 5 into what we've just read. Verse 5, our key verse. For this very reason, okay, because God has already done all this for you, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So when God gives us the gift of eternal life... He intends for us to build the character of Jesus into our life. And we do that when we cooperate with him. All right? We see this? Okay, so let's see how this happens. Let's see how we can really make spiritual progress in 2019. Three points I want to share with you. The first one is this. And I use little words to help us with each point. The first one is pay. It's not really payday. It means it's going to cost you something. Let me put it like this. There is a price that you must pay for spiritual progress. If you want to make progress, it's going to cost you something. Verse number five. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith virtue. For this reason. Again, in light of the fact of God's divine power that he's given us, everything that we need for godliness then what are we to do? For this reason, we are to do what? The next phrase, make every effort. Put forth work. Now, remember that effort has nothing to do with our salvation. You can't earn your salvation. You can't be good enough to have your sins forgiven. So effort has nothing to do with our salvation, but effort has everything to do with our spiritual growth. God in his grace is not opposed to effort in spiritual growth. He is opposed to earning. As you strive towards spiritual progress, you can't earn any more of God's love. So God is opposed to earning, but God is not opposed to effort. And that's what he's calling us to do here. We are called to give diligence and... and, uh, Uh, vigilance to our spiritual growth. We are to give effort to spiritual progress. He tells us on down in every effort to, what's the word? Add to your faith, A-D-D, add to your faith. The word add means to pay the price for something, to enrich, to enhance something. Now, we can't add anything to our salvation. We understand that, right? You can't add anything to your salvation. We can only work out what God has worked in. We work out what God has worked inside of us. And the point is this. There is a price to be paid for that. It's going to involve effort on your part. Really, there is no progress in any area of our life if we're not willing to pay the price. You you know that to be true. If if your goal is to progress physically so that you can run a 10K race, you're going to be foolish if you can think you can do that without paying the price for that. Okay, You you, you can't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to go run a 10K. No. I mean, it's going to take effort. You're going to have to pay the price of of working to that point. You, You know what? If your goal is to have a healthy retirement, when you reach the retirement age, you know what? You're going to have to pay the price now. And every bit or part of every paycheck you get on a weekly basis or monthly basis is going to have to be set aside for that retirement. So you have to pay the price now so that you can have a retirement when you reach age of retirement. If your goal is to be the best mama or the best daddy to your children that you can possibly be, you're going to have to pay the price for that now when they're little kids or or teenagers. You're going to have to spend quality time with them. There is a price to be paid if that's going to be your goal. And the same thing is true spiritually. If you're going to grow and, and progress spiritually, you're going to have to be willing to pay the price To do so. So there is a price to be paid for your spiritual progress. And the bottom line is a lot of people are unwilling to pay that price. They're just not willing to do it. Why? Because they don't see the value of paying the price. They think, here's what a lot of people think well, I'm saved. Isn't that enough? (laughs) I would argue, you know what? It's going to get you into heaven, but it's not enough because God has called us to more than that. And so you're gonna have to pay the price for spiritual growth. Point number two, and I, sometimes I only do that and it, it, it hurts some of your feelings when I don't do it like this. Point number two <coughs> is work. You pay and then you work. Let me put it like this. There's hard work involved in spiritual progress. I'm, t- I'm t- it's hard work to be like Jesus. When we pay the price to grow in our faith, to make spiritual progress, the end product is that we display the character qualities of Jesus. Spiritual progress is not measured, church, by how many times you read through the Bible in a year. Spiritual progress is not measured by how much money you put in the offering plate. Spiritual progress is not counted by how many Sundays You come to church in a month's time. Now, all of these things are important, aren't they? Yes, they are. But you can do all of these things and still not display the virtues of spiritual progress in your life. You can be religious as you can be and still be mean as a snake. I know dozens of people like that. I mean, you you can be religious and your heart still be filled with lust. You can be religious as you want to be and still be proud. But when our aim is to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we will begin to take on the qualities displayed in the life of Jesus Christ, only made possible by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what Peter is showing us in this passage of Scripture. Really what Peter begins to do is put together a chain of eight different virtues that are behavioral characteristics of Jesus Christ. And he says, here's the way you become godly and good. You connect these links together and you grow these virtues in your life. And so he builds for us this chain. And there's only eight links in it. But I believe they are eight very good behavioral characteristics that we need to be developing in our own life. So here's a pretty, pretty strong chain. I, I use this chain for working out. I have a special thing I do with it. You know what? This chain can hold a lot of weight. More weight than I could ever lift. But you know what they say about a chain? It's as, only str- it's as, it's as strong as its weakest link. It's its weakest link. And so God wants us to develop all eight links in our chain. So here's what I want you today. Take your bulletin. You did pick one up, didn't you? These eight virtues are found on the backside of your bulletin. And so look at it as we go down through here and make notes if you need to. We're going to look at all eight of them very quickly. He said, first of all, add to your faith. So faith is the very first link in our chain. You know what faith is? Faith is having confidence in God. And it's the foundation for everything else in the Christian life. We can't save ourselves, nor can we sanctify ourselves. We are saved by God's grace through our faith, right? So faith is very important. It is confidence, or it is trusting in God. And it is a continuous thing. Every day, we have to wake up and have faith. Trusting God. When times are good and when times are bad, what do we do? We trust God. We have faith in God. The late Adrian Rogers once said, grace says, I love you, reaching down. That's God's grace. I love you. Faith says, I believe, reaching up. And the two class pens. So you've got to have faith. It all starts with Faith. But he says you are to add to your faith, number two, virtue. Add to your faith virtue. You can write these words down that describe virtue. The word literally means moral excellence. To have moral excellence. To be a good person. I would say to be a person beyond reproach. And this quality is attributed both to God and to Jesus way back up in verse number three. So when we pay the price to develop virtue in our lives, we are striving to be more like Jesus, to be a good person, to be a person that is above reproach, and that can only happen with Jesus in our life. Are you with me? Yes. So we are above reproach. When the world hurls its mud at us, it doesn't stick because we are living a virtuous life. A godly life. I was telling the staff just this past week, uh, man. I, I know preachers who who fall into sin. I see it done continuously. Had a good buddy that uh, that fell into a sin and and was dismissed from his church. And but here's the deal. I told the staff. I said, you know what? In the world in which we live in, false accusations can be made about a person all the time. And you know what? Because of the climate that we're living in. Chances are, when something is said about a person, even if it's not true, if it's bad, we believe that. You know what I'm saying? We, we, just, we believe the worst in people. We believe people are guilty until they're proven innocent, don't we? That's the world in which we live in. I challenged our staff, you know what? We need to live with integrity. We need to live above reproach. We need moral excellence in our life so that even if a false accusation is thrown against us, people won't believe it. Well, I would never believe that about Jason. I know Jason Nichols. He has virtue in his life. He has moral excellence in his life, so I don't even believe that. You know what? There's a price to be paid for that. You've got to work hard to develop that characteristic. Add to virtue what? Knowledge. What he's talking about here is the practical knowledge of the will of God and the ways of God. Uh, Every day I'm reading a chapter out of the book of Proverbs. I've I've told you this. Pretty cool. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. Every day you read a chapter that is that particular day. So in a year's time you will read the book of Proverbs 12 times. Today, it's the 17th of February. I'll read Proverbs chapter 17 before I go to bed tonight. I've already done that in January. I'm going to do it here in February. Here's what I found about the book of Proverbs. It's all about wisdom. It really is. It's pithy sayings of of godly wisdom. We are to grow in wisdom, but it also talks about knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge. You know what knowledge means in the book of Proverbs? It's knowing the right thing to do and then doing that. It's knowing God's will in any given situation and then fleshing that out. So if we are to add to, our virtu- our, add to virtue knowledge, that simply means, you know what, church? We've got to be in the book. We've got to be reading God's knowledge, hiding it in our heart. And there is a price to be paid for that. You're going to have to rearrange your schedule. You're going to have to either get up earlier or stay up later to make sure you're in the Word of God. That's right. But you are to add to your virtue knowledge. Number four, add to knowledge self-control. This is the ability to master and keep in check your desires, and your actions. And notice, this is something that you cannot do on your own. It doesn't come naturally. God's grace gives us the ability to say no to sin and yes to God. But you've got to put forth the effort. You've got to have self-control. Let me just step back here and ask you, how are you on self-control? Are you pretty good? Sometimes I'm thinking I'm really doing good self-control, saying, saying no to things I don't need. And then all of a sudden, I will find my pickup truck just volu- involuntarily turning into the donut shop parking lot. You know? And instead of having self-control, I consume that greasy little donut that tastes so good. You know, It's hard to have self-control when, when you're with the entire staff of our church and everybody orders Cheesecake. And you know that's not on your diet, but man, it looks so good. And, and so you, you give in, and you don't have enough self-control to say no. Are you with me? You know, what I'm talking about is really much more important than donuts or cheesecake. It's having self-control to say no. When you're in the living room all alone, and nobody else is in the house, and you're in the recliner or on the couch, and you have complete control over the flipper. <laughs> You know, that's what I call it, the flipper. And all of a sudden that show comes on that you know you don't need to be watching. You don't need to allow that junk into your living room, much less into your mind and your heart. Self-control gives you the ability to either turn the flipper off or change the station. Self-control is what it takes when you're in a conversation with someone else and they start talking behind someone else's back. Self-control has the ability to end that conversation or to turn that conversation around so that you don't participate in that kind of gossip. That's right. Self-control is hard, guys. But you know what? It is a virtue of Jesus Christ. And we need to be strengthening that link. Add to self-control number five, perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance is the ability to stand up under pressure, to endure when circumstances are difficult. Now, I think it's important for me to interject here that that progress in these areas of our lives has got to come through adversity. I mean, there is no way you can build perseverance in your life if your life is always a downhill slide and the wind's at your back. You can't learn perseverance that way. No, you learn perseverance when you're struggling to climb uphill and everything is in your face. Everything is going wrong and nothing is going right. That's when you develop perseverance. Does that cost? Yes. Is it hard work? Yes. But I guarantee you through those times, God is teaching you stuff that you'll never learn anywhere else. You are to add to perseverance what? I think I'm losing some of you. Are you with me? We're almost done. Hang with me here. Godliness is the next one. This word means devotion to the person of God. In fact, in the original Greek language, the word literally means to worship well. And when we talk about a person being godly, we mean that this person is deeply devoted to God. They are a godly person. They live for God. They love God. They respond to life as God would respond to life. How do you become a godly person? Well, 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 tells us. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 4, 7 out of the NIV says, Train yourself to be godly. So how do you become a godly person? You train yourself. You discipline yourself. The word train is the word from which we get our English word gymnasium from. There is a spiritual exercise that is involved in godliness. You don't, look, look at me. You don't try to be godly. You train to be godly. Do you get that? You don't try to be godly. You train to be godly. Now, a lot of people have made... Uh, resolution for 2019 to to get back into shape, and and so the area gyms have just been packed with people, you know, trying to fulfill their New Year's resolution to to get back in shape. The problem is this. If they don't see the result they want within a month, you know, they're out of there. I ain't going to waste my time doing that. But you know what? It takes more than just a month. For some of us, it takes years, okay? Okay. You don't just get up one day and say, you know what, I think I'm going to go out today and run a marathon. If you haven't been training for that, that that is a foolish thought. For those of you macho guys out there that, you know, think about lifting weights, but that's all you do is think about it. You can't get up one morning and say, you know what, I'm feeling pretty tough. I'm going to go out there and I'm I'm going to deadlift 550 pounds. Well, you're going to strain your back is what you're going to do. All right? Because you have to have training before you can run a marathon. Are you with me? I'm going to draw you back in. Are you with me? You have to have training if you're going to deadlift 550 pounds. Training involves a daily regimen of doing the same things over and over and over again until they become instinctive or until you have built your body up to the point where you can do something like that. You might come to church one Sunday and hear this inspiring sermon about living for God and being highly devoted to God. And so you walk out the door saying, you know what, I'm going to be closer to God. No, you train to be closer to God. It involves training. Training. Donald Whitney, in his book on spiritual discipline, put it like this. He said the gold of godliness isn't found on the surface of Christianity. The gold of godliness is not found on the surface where you can just go and pick it up. No, it's deep, and you've got to work hard and dig deep and use the tools of discipline to get down to the gold of godliness. Then number seven, you are to add to godliness what? Brotherly kindness. You know what he's talking about here? He's talking about the unique relationship that we have in the body of Christ or in the church. If you're a part of this church and you're a believer, you know what you are to one another? You're brothers and sisters. We are the the body of Christ. We're brothers and sisters. And and the New Testament has a word to describe the affection that we should have one for each other. It's called koinonia. Koinonia. It's this unique love that can only come about through the bond that we have in Jesus Christ. And so he's telling us in in, in this verse that we are to add to our godliness brotherly kindness. That is, in the household of faith, we are to be kind to one another. That's not difficult, is it? Well, apparently in some churches it is. Let's try it. Let's be kind to one another. You know what that means? I've got your back, and you've got my back. And if there's a problem in your life, I'm going to come alongside of you, and I'm going to be kind to you, and I'm going to help you. That's the kind of love we should have for one another. But it doesn't end there. The last link is love. Add to brotherly kindness love. And if brotherly kindness describes the affection that we have for people that are like us, that is, other Christians, then love describes the commitment we are to have for people who are not like us. People in the world. What are we to do? We are to love them. You know what? When we love people in the world, we're just being like Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, and Jesus gave his life. Interesting to me, the very first link in this chain is faith. And the last link is love. And all the links in between are important. We are to build these virtues into our life. And then what is the result of that? Finally, here I am at the end of my sermon. It's knowledge. There are benefits to be gained in spiritual progress. Let's put verse 8 back up on the screen. Verse number 8 says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I'm going to end my message today talking about this verse. But before I do that, let me throw another verse up on the screen. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and it's verse number 8 because it gives us insight into the spiritual progress. Here's what 1 Timothy 4:8 says. For physical training is of some value. Older translation says, it's of little value. Physical training is of little value, it's of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Keep that up there a second, Sherry, let me talk about this. I know a lot of preacher brothers who have adopted that as their life verse. Physical training is of little value. And, and, and they've taken that, I, I, really, we've talked about this in, in preacher meetings before. You know, that's my, that's my life. It gives me an excuse not to exercise and to eat all the fried chicken and biscuits I want to. Right? But you know what? Physical training is of some value. It, as little as it may be, it is of some value. It's important. I think it's important we take care of our bodies. Honestly, I do. Because th- this is God's temple right here inside of me. So I need to take care of this thing. And, and help it to last as long as God wants it to last, okay? So we need to take care of our physical bodies. Am I boring you? Nope. Okay, hang with me for a second. I got a point to this. And so you can devote your life to taking care of your physical body. You can do everything that you're supposed to do. You can eat proper nutrition, have the proper diet. You can exercise multiple times a day. You can get plenty of rest. You can use vitamin supplements to to overtake the deficiencies that you have in your system. You can do everything that is possible to make this body as strong as it can be and last as long as it can last, all right? And a lot of people do that. And if you do, that's great. I'm glad you do. But understand this. No matter what you do to make this body last as long as you can, it's not going to last forever. You reach a point in your life where you plateau and you start to decline. I'm on that backside of things right now. 57, working on 58. No matter how hard I try, things just... They just don't look the same. You know what I'm saying? And they don't function the same. And I've got hurts and pains and and things wrong with me that I can't explain. You know what? I really think the best thing for me to do is just go to a vet. (laughs) Because if I went to the specialist, I had to go to like 10 specialists to have everything fixed. I need to go to a vet that can just fix everything at one time. Are you with me? There comes a point where we start to decline, and no matter how hard we work at it, this body is eventually going to die, and they're going to put you in a box and bury you six feet under, and this body is going to decay, and there's not a cotton-picking thing you can do about that. So you know what? There is some value for physical training, but there is a limit to it. Are you with me? However, godliness has value for all things. Not only for this present life, godliness has value for eternity. So you look at me and listen to me. However much time you are spending on this physical body for training, you need to double that time for your spiritual progress. Now let's go back to our verse, verse number 8. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, do you see the progress there? That's the goal, to possess these qualities in increasing measure. That is the goal of a lifetime as well as every season of your life, to have these eight virtues and increase them every single day in your life. And the result of that, verse 8b, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The word ineffective means to be idle or to be useless. And here's the picture. Look at me. If you're not growing in these eight values, these eight behavioral characteristics, if you're not growing to become like Jesus, here's what you're doing. You're riding the pine. You're sitting on the bench. You're not in the game. Why? Because God can't use you. You're not developing as he needs you to develop to be used in the game of life. So you're riding the pine. You know what the word is here? You're ineffective. But as you start to develop these characteristics, you become useful for God. And he says, come on, man, get off the bench. I need you in the game. And you become effective for him. Then the next word is unproductive. These things can keep you from being unproductive. The the word literally means no fruit. So think of it like this. Look at your life. Examine your Turn and look back on your life of the past year, 2018. Is there any fruit that has been brought forth from your life of godliness? Can you see any fruit from your spiritual progress in 2018 if not did you really need to work on these eight characteristics in fact let's look at them right now get your bulletin out pull it back up and let's look at these eight things here they are coming up on the screen faith virtue knowledge self-control perseverance godliness brotherly kindness and love now here's what I want you to do most of the time you come in here and just sit and then get up and leave I'm going to make you do something right now all right Take your list and work your way down through it. Put everything else out of your mind right now other than these eight things. And as you look at each one, remember what we talked about. As you look at each one, say, are you doing good or bad in that one? If you're doing good in it, if you're growing in that, put a little check mark beside it. I'm doing doing really good in faith. I really trust God. Virtue, moral excellence. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm good right there. Knowledge, yes. I'm reading my Bible. I'm studying Mm, Hmm. Self-control. Hmm. If you're not doing so good on one, put a circle around it. Okay? Everybody do that right now. Just do it. Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. Check if you're doing good. Circle if it's one you need to work on. You got it? Heavenly Father,